Welcome to Bible Idiots, the teaching platform for Pastor Chris Danielson. Now, after quite a nice little sabbatical from uploading his latest messages, Chris has been busy helping me get my new show and ministry off the ground. And we are having an absolute blast doing what God is calling us to do. But Bible Idiots will be full on the home for you to walk alongside us as Chris shares authentic Christianity and biblical insights from the pulpit. Don't forget, go to BibleIdiots.com for more. Today, Chris takes us into 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 2 and 3, and goes incredibly deep to lay out what is real prosperity and good success from a biblical worldview. It may not be what you think it is. Let's join Chris in the main auditorium at Fresh Encounter Church in Harlan, Iowa. I am Emily Danielson, and thank you so much for spending time with us today. Today, the title of the message is called Spiritual Prosperity and Good Success. And I want you to capture your thought you just had. Capture it. When you heard the pastor said the message is entitled Spiritual Prosperity and Good Success. And as you capture this thought, I want you to put it in your holster, and when you're driving home today, I want you to see if what I share with you matches up with what that thought just was. But I want to start out today with a reminder, a reminder of why we are here. We are here because there are enough of us that have been taken from death to life. And we have been taken there not of anything that we have done, but because of the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. We just did communion in remembrance of that. We're here to make his name great. And we're here to also live out the joy of our salvation. And so today, spiritual prosperity and good success, I really want this Sunday morning to be more like a Sunday morning chat. I'm just going to share some stuff with you and chat with you. But our scripture today is 1 Peter 2, 2 and 3, and I'd like you to stand for the reading of God's word. Get a stretch in, but spiritual prosperity and good success, a Sunday morning chat, 1 Peter 2, 2 and 3. Let's read it. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Heavenly Father, let these be your words to your children now. Bless us immensely. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. I want to start our chat today with the church. What is the church? When somebody says the church did this or the church did that, what are they talking about in global terms? Well, the church, the real church, is made up of people whom the Bible call the Bride of Christ. Now over the years, these people who make up the Bride of Christ have created a space to gather in. Think church buildings, think you know, church campuses, seminary campuses, etc. And then they list out what they believe and usually why they believe certain things, and it's called a statement of faith. And then from there, we've generally found ways to divide ourselves. Division, by the way, is not always a bad thing. It's not the topic of today's message, but in context, division is not a bad thing. And I hope that division in the authentic bride of Christ happens over real serious issues rather than the trivial that has happened many times. But alas, 
500 years since the Protestant Reformation and during my lifetime, things I have seen with my own eyes, the reality is the church is often misunderstood and often unfairly criticized. (gasps) Now please don't misinterpret this. Hang with me. I am not saying, I am not discounting the many church organizations that have hurt more people than they have helped. And I'm not giving the sour side of this generic thing we call church a pass. I'm really not. But I'd like to remind folks today about the absolute beauty of the bride of Christ. She's gorgeous when she is faithful to the balance of truth and love. So let's talk about that a little bit today. Death to life. And now church, authentic church, where the bride of Christ is, is something you don't ever want to miss out on. Not because you decided that's how you're going to be, but because the spirit who lives inside of you changes that to where you can't argue with it. It's that important to you. Attending church, being a part of a fellowship, being part of the bride of Christ, living and moving and grooving in this time is something you don't want to live without. It's that important to us. But look, everybody has an excuse for not attending church. If you take those excuses and you apply them to other things we do or don't do, it might look kind of funny. Like maybe like a David Letterman top 10 list. So let's do this. Let's take eating and compare it to some of the excuses we have when we go to church. Number 10, I don't eat anymore because I was forced to eat as a child. Number nine, I don't eat anymore because people who eat all the time are hypocrites. They're not actually hungry. Number eight, I don't eat anymore because there's so many different kinds of food, I can't decide what to eat. Number seven, I used to eat, but I got bored and stopped. Number six, I only eat on special occasions like Christmas and Easter. Number five, I don't eat anymore because none of my friends will eat with me. Number four, I start eating when I get older. Number three, I don't really have time to eat. Number two, I don't believe that eating does anybody any good. It's just a crutch. And the number one, this is my favorite, I don't eat anymore because restaurants and grocery stores are only after your money. giving a lame excuse for not attending church or not getting involved in ministry is just as silly as giving up eating church attendance for the authentic Christian is just as important as a regular balanced nutrition without spiritual food we will die ever experience a weak person of the faith check their diet it's not hard just talk to them and when it comes to our lives we need to be reminded from time to time to time how important it is to stay in the game. And I'm going to talk to you about prosperity and good success biblically today. But I want you to stay in the game. Yes, 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 you need to stay in the game for yourself. And that game is being much of Jesus in your everyday life all the time because you don't want anything else. Do you want to know why I've been married this summer, 38 years? Because I don't want anything else. 
I've never wanted anything else. I know, you look at her, you look at me, you're like, that's obvious to everybody. (laughs) But I want you to stay in the game, not just for yourself, but also for those whom God will use you to encourage and influence and so on. And you say, well, hey, I'm not that great of a Christian, but look around, none of us are. That's why we make his name great. None of us did anything to go from death to life, but we know we're alive in Christ, and we can't stop smiling about that. And we want to be active and in the game. John Piper writes in his book, Don't Waste Your Life. He says this. Now, you've got to stay with me or this point can go over your head. Listen. He says, I tell you what a tragedy is. I will show you how to waste your life. Consider the story from the February 1998 Reader's Digest. A couple took early retirement from their jobs in the Northeast five years ago when he was 58 and she was 51. Now they live in Florida where they cruise on their 30-foot trawler and focus on collecting seashells. Can you picture them before Christ on that great day of judgment? Look, Lord, see my shells? Piper says that is a tragedy. It's not the shells, okay? It's that these folks had nothing in their life but the shells. I'm all about collecting seashells a couple times a year. I love getting to the beach once or twice a year if, if, it, if the Lord wills. But to have nothing else in your life? Tra- tragedy is what Piper calls it. Because God created us to live with joy and passion in his excellence in all spheres of life. And to make much of him in every part of our life. See, the fact is, if you have tasted that the Lord is good, you will long for good spiritual milk. I don't have to create that in you. You don't have to have somebody else create it. You don't have to pull yourself up by the bootstraps and get out your concordance and your Bible and your devotional every morning. You will do it because it's the same reason... Those of you like me who love coffee, we make coffee every day because we need the coffee. We need Jesus in our life. See, when you have tasted that the Lord is good and you are longing for that spiritual milk, you won't tolerate generic ministries. It'll be hard to stay in a church that's more interested in traditions than they are God's will. And you can fill in the blank with a bunch of other explanations. But what I call them is good ground. Good ground churches, good ground ministries. You will taste it over and over and over again, and your cravings then go up. And when your cravings go up, you don't want to taste anything other than that every day. And when you go a few days without it, you want to taste it again. Which is why when Sunday rolls around for some of us, if we're out of town, we'll even go to a church out of town. Or we'll tune in. Some of you are watching right now. You're enjoying the blessings of your life. You're out doing stuff, but you still have this craving to be part of this fellowship because this is a good ground church. Verse 2 and verse 3 of 1 Peter. Like newborn infants longing for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. See those four words there? Grow up into salvation. Some of y'all are beautiful baby Christians. And some of you are ornery teenagers. I don't know what age Satan was when he rejected God's authority, but if I had to guess, I'd say 15. 
And in America, we're all trying to get on, aren't we? If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Look, today like never before is the day to live for Jesus. Because I'm telling you, in my opinion, and it's just my opinion, I have a ton of facts to back it up if we need to go there, but we are living in some dark, dark days. From spy balloons floating unhindered over our country to obvious attempts to disrupt our food and supply chains to regional and national leadership that is so subpar on many levels, it looks like it can't possibly be real. And I have some friends who have written that the leadership is so bad in America right now that it is an actual judgment from God. I could list 40 or 50 things, obvious things. The days are without question the darkest of my short 58 years in this earth. Lawlessness is abounding in justice for some incredible crimes that, by the way, are accompanied by what's called empirical evidence, which means it's without question this actually went down this way. We have everything that we need, yet justice can't be found. Lawlessness is abounding in front of our face. And then when you read the published plans, not conspiracy theory, the published plans of the globalists, we are just scratching the surface. Without a doubt, dark days indeed. I would say those of us who can, with eyes to see and ears to hear in this area, I kind of feel like we're living in 1939 Poland. And if you don't know what that is, I'll, sh I'll share a history class with you another time. Without a doubt, dark days indeed. Don't tune out right now. Stay with me. Yet God tells us over and 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 over again two things. Fear not. Fear not. And next to that, right in the middle of the dark days, God tells us of prosperity and good success. Some days I'm not seeing it. I'm not seeing it. You know why? Because I let my flesh nature get the screen in front of my eyes. And I ain't talking about a computer screen or a television screen. I'm talking about my worldview screen. And every day, in keeping with repentance, what happens? His mercies are renewed. And every day I see prosperity and good success biblically in my life. Joshua 1.8 says this. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Prosperous and good success. This was the promise God gave the Israelites under Joshua's leadership. A promise based on their obedience to the word of God. Right straight up to God's word. Now, that is what they all wanted. And so should we. Prosperity and good success are byproducts of our dedication to receiving, believing, and acting upon what God says. Prosperity is in the Bible and it is real. The problem is, listen now, the problem is, is that even though it is God's desire for us, we don't always appear to be living that way. Could it be that we really don't understand what true prosperity and good success look like? 
Could it be that we really don't understand what good success and prosperity actually look like through God's eyes? Some biblical prosperity, and I say that with a grain of salt, being taught over the years has the tendency to twist this into some sort of manipulation game. And when that goes off the rails in that area, I'm out. And I want you to be too. I want you to come back to biblical prosperity and good success. So since there's different explanations, why don't we take it at its core, and I'm going to work you through it over the next 15 minutes. Let's start with the dictionary. Prosperity, definition, the condition of enjoying great wealth, success, or good fortune. I like that. That sounds pretty good, yes? In Deuteronomy 28, 1 and 2, it goes into some detail. And part of those two verses says, If you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments, all these blessings shall come upon you. Now we start getting into behavior modification because I want to do these things that God has laid out and I want to do it in such a way that I'll get a gold star and God will make me prosperous. That's not it. I'm not saying that there's not behavior changes. I'm just saying you're not the one who leads that. God does. See, the chapter goes on to promise so much. It's success in all we do, our business, plenty of everything. Success against our enemies, that we should be lenders and not bowers. Blessing the work of our hands. Rain on our lands in season. God has clearly promised to bless his people, and we can always trust God to honor his word. Paul doubles down on this in 2 Corinthians 9, 8. He says, and God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have abundance for every good work. The simple reality is that God's blessings include all we will ever need and more. Totally more than enough for every good work. But here's the dealio. Listen to me now. Here's the deal. There is so much more to authentic prosperity and good success than material possessions. An old school preacher one time summed it up like this. You ready? Prosperity. Nothing missing, nothing broken. It's pretty good. Anybody ever written mission statements for companies? You got to get it down to seven words. This guy nails it. Down four words. Prosperity. Nothing missing, nothing broken. That's fantastic. Is, is that what you want your life to look like? I know I do. Stan Mosier wrote a book called Kingdom Men. I've got it right here. I used to have 50 of these, and I gave them away, his last one. He, he gets down to a three-word description of an authentic, prosperous life a place where nothing is broken and nothing is missing. I start sharing this with you today as an overview. But Stan was the president CEO for years at Word Records. He's the guy who launched the career of Rich Mullins, Amy Grant, Michael W. Smith, and he retired to Tucson when we happened to be working there. And he got a bunch of guys together, and he started this little fellowship to prove out the concepts of this book. I happen to be one of those guys. My life has never been the same since. And I hope it never, ever goes back to that. I, this book changed 
the way I view prosperity and good success. And you know what that brought? Contentment in areas where I know I would have been discontent. But Stan writes his three-word description of spiritual prosperity. You guys want to see it? All right, here it is. Freedom, fellowship, and fulfillment. Freedom from every disability, freedom from all fear, doubt, guilt, lack, disease, and debt. Well, what if I have those things? You can still have freedom, and isn't that prosperous if you're in Christ, death to life. Fellowship with God and man, a unity of heart, belief, and vision, embracing a life that glorifies God and draws others to his love and grace. Think about that. Finding people that we can have a unity of heart, belief, and vision. Embracing a life that glorifies God and draws others to his love and grace. Some of you might be drawn here. I've seen at least four or five different people I've never seen before. If you're visitors, welcome. And I hope the reason you're here is that the Holy Spirit is drawing you here to have some good spiritual food and worship him alongside us because we want you here. We want you to join in us in our joy, our absolute joy of our salvation because we've tasted it and we know that it is good. And that comes to fulfillment. Fulfillment of purpose, a daily, passionate, and rewarding pursuit of my God-given purpose to be fruitful, multiply, and utilize every resource I have that's been given to me or I've obtained to see God's kingdom come and his will be done right here on earth as it is in heaven. That sounds pretty outstanding, yes? I think Stan nailed it. And it's impacted me for 15 plus years. And when we start, talk about a men's group where we're going to just start fellowshipping and letting just spiritual conversations come, I didn't make that up. I lived that, to which then became a book that has impacted men all around the country. Freedom, fulfillment, and fellowship. Wow. I mean, think about walking through life in agreement with your spouse your family, your friends, and God as the overview of it all, confirming it with you hour by hour, day by day. 10, 15 in the morning, you're just doing your thing, and all of a sudden, boom, you get hit with this wash of contentment because God has laid it on your heart that you are, in fact, prosperous and of good success because you're his. No strife, no division, total agreement with God's will, God's plan, and God's way of doing things. Man, I love it when somebody, you know, uh, comes to know the Lord and then they, then they want to grow in their faith and they come to a good ground ministry and other saved people are around them and you want to know something, they don't care what you look like. That's what come as you are means. We don't care what you look like. You know, I don't know. Someday I should wear like an old hillbilly hat, have a corncob pipe, a crop top, cut off shorts and cowboy boots. And then we'll find out how come as we are, we really are. <laughs> do you know why I wouldn't do that? The only reason I wouldn't do that here is because it would cause you to not pay attention to what God's wanting you to hear. <laughs> and, and, well, in the Facebook posts. <laughs> you don't care. Because... You're in total agreement with God's will. And when, you're, when you know you're doing God's, God's will and somebody you know, wants to take you to task for it, 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 the sting is a lot less. 
See, this is a solid description of how the great apostle Paul lived. Yes, he suffered physically and emotionally. Yes, he lived in great conflict with the religious crowd of the day. He knew what it was to be lied about, beaten, incarcerated, hungry, abused, and oppressed, all for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, in our minds, how does that sound like prosperity and good success? Does it? Paul says it is. In 2 Corinthians 4, 8 and 9, Paul says, we are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but in despair, but not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. See, Paul knew his struggles were temporary, and he never, ever took his eyes off the promises of God. See, God knows how to get you from where you are to where you need to be. You may think you know where you want to go, but God is the only one who you can totally trust to know where you need to go and the best way to get you there. Not me, you. And by the way, in the middle of God's plan for you, he knows every mistake you've ever made. You're not catching him by surprise. Guiding verse for us is Proverbs 16.9. It's just a little sidebar. In his heart, man makes his plans, but it is the Lord who directs his steps. Now, I want you to look around you today, and I don't want you to misunderstand that statement. I want you to look around you in your mind's eye. I'm not saying look at your neighbor right now. I'm saying look around your life. Look around your job. Look around the way you handle your finances, the way that you handle your spouse, the way that you handle whatever it is, your parents, your grandkids, and anywhere in between. Let God speak to you about your deal. And I want you this week, I want you out of God's prosperity, I want you to embrace the here and the now, right now. What's going on right now? Not what happened Last week, last year, last decade. Not what could happen next week, next year, next decade. But what's going on right now? And you will see that God is doing amazing things in your world right now if you have tasted the Lord and you know that he is good. It's there. Listen to me now. I'm going to tell you a story that was told by a certain Russ Cornwall. This story is true, been verified. Not far from the river Indus in India in 1870 lived a farmer who owned a beautiful farm and with orchards and grain fields and gardens. He was very wealthy and he was very contented. Until one night, a priest who was traveling spent the night with him. Now, you guys know the culture. It's 1870 on a river in India. Traveling, they probably didn't have a lot of hotels, so people stayed with other people. And here's this contented, wonderful farm, so the priest must have known him, so he decided to stay there for the night. And that night, he told this farmer about diamonds, spectacular diamonds, diamonds that could buy many farms much larger and much more beautiful than his own. Diamonds that would put his children on thrones around the world in far-off countries. 
wealth from these diamonds could barely be contained in the imagination. And that night, that farmer went to bed poor for the very first time. Poor because he was now discontented with all he had. He became obsessed with the thought, I must have a diamond mine. I must have the immense wealth and riches that come from a diamond mine. He couldn't get it out of his head. So the farmer sold his farm and began his passionate pursuit of these riches. He left his family in the care of a family member miles away. The new person came and took over his farm and he took all that money and he went in search of diamonds from country to country until the money was gone. Finally, standing in rags in Spain by the Sea of Barcelona, by the Bay of Barcelona, he jumped in and drowned himself. Now, the man who had bought his farm was digging in that garden that the now dead man had left, and guess what he found? A massive diamond. He continued digging, and to his amazement, diamonds were everywhere. Thus, the diamond mine of Kolkata was discovered, which, by the way, is the biggest in the world and has been the richest the world has ever seen. For decades now, every shovel Every shovel back then for decades revealed gems that would then decorate the crowns of royalty around the globe. The point, had the farmer that owned that land originally, had that farmer been contented with what God gave him and dug in his own garden rather than submit to the greed of the flesh, he would realize that God had already given him more than he could manage. It was right under his feet the whole time. Forget about your neighbor. What has God given you? What is right at your fingertips? Look close. Look close in on your world. Because if you have tasted that the Lord is good, and if you are growing up in your salvation, let me tell you something. The miracle is already in your house. The miracle is already in our church. God's supply is for us, and we have prosperity, authentic, true Bible prosperity and good success. Let me close with this. John 16, verses 12 through 14, in light of our text today. It says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. Those are, lo- those are words from our Lord Jesus Christ. Those are red letters. For he will glorify me, and he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. May the Spirit come through your heart this week. And if you have not tasted that the Lord is good, you recognize that you're a sinner and that you need salvation and Jesus loves you just the way you are. And then you transfer trust. You give Jesus your life. And you say, Lord, I'm going to give up this life for the one to come. I'm going to transfer from death to life. And then you come and hang out with us and we celebrate the joy of the love of Jesus Christ together every Sunday. Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, we thank you, we praise you, we just want, we want you. Lord, you alone are our prosperity and good success. And everything that we are about, we want to put trust back into you. We want it to be all about you during this time, Jesus. We love you and thank you and praise you. Amen. Thanks for listening to the teaching ministry of my husband, Chris Danielson. BibleIdiots.com is still the website for this show, but we have grown. The new parent ministry is found at FreshRoadMedia.com. We would love to have you join us on our sister broadcast, a talk show that walks out Christian living and Bible apologetics entitled No Apology with Emily and Chris, a weekly download from freshroadmedia.com. Both broadcasts are listener supported and we would love to have you join us as the Lord leads. I'm Emily Danielson and thank you so much for spending some time with us today and may you see the blessings of the Lord as you go and serve your King.